This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And today we are taking a look at the 1986 cult classic The Hitcher, starring Rucker Hauer and C. Thomas Howell. Yeah, man. man. Oh, oh, I I love this movie. I love this movie. I think this this movie was like one of the first one like my dad uh, one of my earliest memories is my dad recommending this movie to me when I was like 13. Like I, he he's not that big into movies, but like he is crazy into this movie. Like he keeps talking about like the finger scene and then him coming up like on the uh, like coming up on like the, the old guy's truck and all that stuff. Like it's oh the whole just when when he's when he's with the cops and it's like okay I'm putting my faith in you and all of a sudden you got Rucker Hauer out of nowhere. It's so it is the ultimate cat and mouse movie. Um, taken to that whole new level because like the it he's just playing with him the entire time. Like Rucker Rucker Hauer's fully in control. I ninety eight percent of this movie. Rucker Hauer, man, he was some heat back in the eighties. Like this Holy is shit. this is probably this might be almost better than Blade Runner for his performance. No, no, like, no. This he- this this to me is his best performance. This to me is just oh man, it's so um. Well, it's 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 like we always revere him in Blade Runner as this very like stoic, poetic sort of yeah, villain yeah. that's like very <laughs> misunderstood and stuff. But this, he's just like conniving and snickering and evil and like i feel like he had the most fun in this role in he, any other yeah. role he's ever di- ever done because he's just hamming it up at every turn it's See, and that's where best. that's there's something about this character that's so layered now i know they did the remake and they tried to they tried to like answer a lot of questions but that's, i guess that's kind of, that's missing the point that's missing and, the and point yeah, of this and, movie. And, there was a lot of issues actually with with the remake they so, so something about the Hitcher before we even get into it is, um, I consider it to be kind of like pretty intense for what it is. And when it came out, it was critically just ripped apart. Roger, it's ac- it was shockingly it. Like, like low, low reviewed back in the because day. people like, were they just were like it's brutality for brutality's sake. It's just mean spirited. The Jennifer Jason Lee scene. I mean, that yeah, was, that's that's that, kind of bad. That's that's bad. that's the part. That's the part that apparently pushed the limits for stuff. They decided to do that full scene in the remake, right? Yeah. And uh, and they wanted to do the full scene in the original. I'm glad they didn't because when you see it, it just it doesn't. No, it it is rough. It just it's, it's, it's like it's oh very... that's that's gross. It's kind of when you leave it to your imagination, especially with this. Right. It makes yeah. it that much more more horrifying. Um, and I th- I think that that's like at least back in that time like those like that was something that was that was something that was used as just more shock factor and not really thinking about the overall you know ramifications or like 
use it like the original that's a real thing like yeah yeah and like in the original script it was like that too it was very right i think instead um, of a finger in a, a, the the finger fry it was a eyeball in a burger um you witness that the 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 family in the um the station wagon get brutally murdered and stuff mm-hmm, instead yeah. of just knowing that it happened and you know, even in, in in like the remake version, they kind of hint and allude to more of that to show more brutality. It doesn't work, man. It just doesn't. It it something about the original and the way that it's done. Like Robert Harmon does such a good job at putting this film together. So the movie has this terrifying feel because you see all this bad stuff happening. Yet you're seeing Rucker Hauer, and Rucker Hauer's like smiling a lot of the time, right? You know, and it, it's a great sort of it, it's a great thing to have this main character. Uh, experience because it's very kind of reminiscent of the Twilight Zone, specifically like terror at 30,000 feet or whatever, where he thinks like, like he may as well be crazy. Like all of these things are happening to him and he's seeing all these things and he's borderline helpless because... Oh, for C. Thomas Howell? Yeah, yeah. For C. Thomas Howell, like he is being, he is basically being the terrorized guy, yeah, who nobody is believing. Everyone thinks he is this killer doing this. Yet you have Rucker Howard as John Ryder just orchestrating all of this stuff perfectly. Now, a lot of people right. would say this is bullshit. How could any of this happen? How would he know that he would go to this one gas station? Yeah. How could he possibly catch up? To, how could he possibly murder a guy and then catch up with him? Like seemingly hundreds of miles down the road in a yeah, truck. Yeah, but you tell you tell like, me where you tell me where else they're going. Like, will you tell me what other exactly. road they're on? You know what I mean? He's also driving. Well, I forgot what he was driving, but like that thing is probably not the fastest car in the world. It, it, exactly. To, I it, and it's there's a suspension of disbelief that I'm more than happy to surrender with this movie because all of these outlandishly crazy either coincidences or if they're planned how the hell do you plan that well sort it's of also like how are even said if people are ever confused by this movie he's like the personification of evil so right. like it, it will just find him right and it, it, it almost seems like it is it is he has to stop evil yeah and that's basically what it says or what Ryder says he's like what do you want from me even in the beginning what do you yeah. want from me I want you to stop me. And, and, and that's, like, a, that's a perfect little line because it's a challenge, but also it could be like some weird, like maybe a cry for help in his weird psyche. Like, no, that's his motivation, man. That's, that's the killer's motivation. That's John Ryder. His whole soul motivation in this movie. And he tells you right off the bat, this movie basically is, is there in six minutes. It tells you exactly what this film is. In the mm-hmm. first six minutes, you were introduced to see Thomas Howell uh, you were, you're introduced, so you have Jim Halsey, you're introduced to, uh, Rucker Howard's John Ryder, he pulls a knife, he says he's gonna, you know, kill him, he talks about popping an eyeball, and then, you know, right as you think shit could go down, Jim mans up and kicks him out of the car, like, throws yeah. him out, Which into the road. more or less should have killed him like this is this is the interesting part about what we see for john Ryder, right like nothing ever stops this guy through the entire movie he gets he gets battered up a lot especially towards the end but he just keeps getting up borderline terminator levels of like of damage pumped into this guy 
but it's it's that's kind of what helps sell this movie that the only thing you know for this guy's motivation is that he's killing people but he just wants someone to finally stop him that's it that's it put an end to him see how far he can go and it kind of makes you wonder who this guy is is he the personification of pure evil is he yeah. somebody who's dying of a terminal disease and just wants someone to kill him and he wants to put that out did he lose his family yeah exactly but it's so important that we don't know because it ultimately doesn't matter it no but really it does it, it, but that's the thing it does but it doesn't there's so so it does matter but it doesn't matter so like there's there's the clues that give you stuff where you start to question it right it matters because we think about it and we start to say i wonder where hmm but at the same time it doesn't because we know yeah that that evil can be anywhere and that is probably yeah. what he just is and ultimately uh, there's no real justification or like humanizing this guy because of all of the horrible things that he's doing but yeah. to think that there's something there that turned him that way but we don't know what it is that's more they, they compelling hint, they hint at like, so much stuff like the two wedding do. rings on his finger when he's uh when he goes in there and he uh, Nash is asleep and he like gets next to her and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. that was a very strange moment because it was very telling of was he trying to live someone else's life or did it remind him of a previous life when he rolls over and you see those two rings you're like are those from victims or were you married in the past and did you lose both your wives exactly and i think it's it's kind of like what we had this discussion with these like mascot slasher films where you yeah. don't want to know too much about this villain because eventually it's going to get either like gonzo or you're not going to even really care about their motivations because we don't care about yeah, where they it could came be a, it could be a total like, letdown yeah yeah it it could be a total letdown it opens the air of disappointment so just keep that a mystery or keep that like just outside of the viewer's eye to give him something. And I love how it's just wrapped up in mystery because this movie is so simple. It's very, very, very simple. And th there are moments that are moving at a breakneck speed and then we stop and then Rutger Hauer's just like talking to him for a good long minute about like, he's like, he's like lavishing in the moment a bit. And then it's just like, all right, well, like I'm going to let you go and then I'll see you again in like 20 minutes or something like that. It's a wonderfully, it's a wonderfully paced movie because every once in a while it gets, it's just like, all right, fine. Like, what are you going to do next? And it's like, well, here's what I'm going to do. And like, he's, he's the ultimate, like, you know, caught me monologuing villain. Right. But now we also have to kind of look at this as the kind of uh, taking the traditional slasher tropes and changing them around a bit. First off, before we get into that, uh, this is two movies in a row now that has Billy Greenbush in it. Critters had Billy Greenbush as the dad, and he played Trooper Donner in here who gets, he's like one of the first uh, guys to get killed, one of the cops to get killed. Right. Yes. So the thing about this movie, and we kind of talked about it a little bit when we talked about um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge having a male... Uh, protagonist this is kind of in that same way um when we're introduced to nash nash almost plays more of the male character you know like the love interest to your traditional slasher victim would meet along the way um and essentially kind of meets the same fate as a, a guy in a slasher film who would be a potential love interest would meet the other thing that's interesting is that it could have led into something. Now, I know in the original script there was supposed to be some, like, crazy graphic sex scene with him and this girl who was 
uh, it just made no, it would have made no sense for this. I, I kind of like that he's like, man, I've had this terrible, terrible time. All I want to do is take a shower. She's tired because of all this craziness that's going on. And that's when she gets abducted. But there's none of this... The, there's a little bit of flirtiness, I think, maybe in the beginning with her towards him, like when they first meet, briefly. But then the rest of it is mainly a survival, you know, yeah. and, and trying it, it, not to. Yeah, this could this could have gone so wrong so quickly. Oh, I keep, so wrong, I keep yeah. I keep seeing like so many avenues of this being like, oh my god, a lesser movie would take this the completely wrong way, like. I can imagine where, like, he just, like, kind of ties a bandana around his his forehead and, like, somehow gets a machine gun and starts to just, like, duck around. Oh, I was I to, was like, expecting it to go. Him. Yeah, I was expecting them to pull, like, a Top Gun or something. Oh, you know, for sure. And, or uh, a Die Hard they, or something. <clears throat> he's just, well, like, he's just down to, no, like, not the even that. I mean, like, beater. like <laughs> oh, I just mean the se- I, I was expecting, like, a, a Top Gun sex scene. Oh, or yeah, sure. a Terminator sex scene where it's silhouetted and like blue in a hotel room typical 80s some you know, slutty I, sax I expecting, music you know. yeah 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 and then the sax comes in and then it's just like oh you guys aren't doing that right you're right, keeping right. this very very real okay no, and um, it's it only adds to like it doesn't. This movie doesn't break its own character, if if that makes sense. Like it's not letting you get a sort of respite from the overall mood that it's giving you. Like this, yeah, will it's not. Be it, the there, movie it's not a happy film. Time. No, it is. It's not. not a happy movie. But there's nothing. There's it's, yeah. It's equal parts like unpleasant and exhilarating. No, it is. It's a thrill ride. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a highway. And number one, it's a highway film. Those are hard to do. Yeah. But it does it very well, and it keeps the tension ratcheted up the entire time. Um, By the way, this only had a $6 million budget. Which kind of is, like, great. Like That's I mean, impressive for... I mean, the guy, as casual as he is, he does pull a Die Hard 4... And no one sure, questions yeah. this because it is one of my it's one of my favorite moments because of how absurd it is. But Rucker Hauer is this police copter is chasing um is chasing down C. Thomas Howell after he has basically slammed the brakes on and caused two of them to shoot each other's tires out and flip over. So he's now killed a bunch of cops inadvertently. Right. And he and Jennifer Jason Lee are driving. All of a sudden a helicopter comes after him and starts shooting at him. It's awesome. Rucker Hauer is on, like, this side road on the high ground, pulls out a revolver, just takes aim at the copter, shoots it a couple of times, and that guy goes down. He takes out a copter with a revolver. In two shots. Like, it, it, which is, again, it's amazing and absurd, but, like, also, you kind of got to, like, okay, well done, like, kind of a it's, thing. It's the most, yeah, but when you look at how he does it in the distance and the size of that helicopter, like, if for some reason he were that good of an aim, sure, maybe. To me, even though it's absurd and not super realistic, it's way more realistic than what you see in a traditional action film nowadays where someone pulls out a revolver, takes aim. And that's the thing. It doesn't even need to be that realistic because, I said, like I said before, a lesser movie would make that so unbelievable. 
But in yeah, this like, movie just kind of is like, is... yes, this just happened. Not like, oh, it's a big pivotal moment. Let's put the camera right on it as it's happening, you know? Right. And it just the way that it's presented, everything that's led up to it previously, it has been ratcheting up this, like, your suspension of disbelief, but along with the stakes that it keeps giving you. Uh, it's so well taught and balanced like that because by the end of it, you could believe almost anything. You could believe that he could just take a bullet to the head and then still come back by that time because it's been so, like, again, ratcheted up that uh, it, it's it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I like. I want to get into also the soundtrack real quick because uh, I it's so good. I, I was, like, kind of not even really paying attention to it until, like, those final moments where uh like those synths come in and all, like again very John Carpenter as like we we use him as like kind of the gold standard for great uh like 80s thriller music but man does it this one take the cake as well well yeah man i mean and you're watching a character go through an evolution and come out the other side exactly you know this this kid from chicago who just wants to escape and find a new life to change you know and he he's driving this car uh across country to get to san diego and yeah he has an experience and he has a change everything for him is different now he has grown up he has grown up quickly and you see that now he looks even by the end of it he's now willing to do whatever it takes he pumps a spaz 12 into him like two or three through two or three times at the end i mean that yeah and it's an not automatic like- shotgun oof and he didn't turn into like action hero boy. Like he's nope. He this is all just like Jesus. I gotta do this like kind of thing because nobody else believes him. It's a he, yeah. wonderful turn. Well, the thing is, he 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 couldn't do what it took in order to save Nash, and that that was the moment because even then, it's such a devastating thing. And then when he's being driven off with. Uh, um, Jeffrey DeMunn from Walking Dead. Jeffrey DeMunn's awesome. He's barely in this film, but like his appearance is pivotal, I think. Oh, yeah, no. Almost um, every character that you see in this movie like has a worthwhile or memorable moment uh, yeah. that, that can kind of cement them as a good character that's been here. But uh, again, the genius of this movie is where uh, when he makes that turn because he's still trying to get out of this. He's still trying to escape rather than turn and face him. Rather than yeah. turn and stop him. Like, he's still trying to uh, make it so that he's, you know, he can get out scot-free and forget about him. But, but he like, d- no, you need that's to put thing. him now, down. Yeah. Well, now he, has, now he has a weight. He has a loss that he will always hold on his shoulders. Exactly. Like, he, Jim will never get over that he could have saved Nash. Exactly. And, like, with that, like, he then he goes against... Like, he goes against him, and, like, it's time to, you know, nut up or shut up and take him down. Well, and that's the, the crazy part. He pulls the gun on Cap, Captain Estridge, and he's just telling him, you know, get out. And he's like, he's going to kill you, man. Like, even the captain's like, do not do this. Like, do not, do not go after this guy. We have him. We're taking him. He's under arrest. And you already know that there's, nothing's going to keep John Ryder in one place. That's the scary part about this guy, too. He's able to break out of anything. He's able to infiltrate anything. He can take out an entire force like it's nothing. There's no... John Ryder doesn't... The only time he ever seems to get mad about anything is when Jim doesn't man up 
to take him out. Exactly. And it's kind he, and that's kind yeah. of fascinating where it's just like I like grow like he's like he's telling him to do it. And it, mm-hmm. it's a it's a fascinating type of thing where it's like it's only supposed to be him like you're destined to take me down kind of a thing. It's so weird and fascinating. But again, if it were to ever be explained more any more than it already is, it would completely fall apart and not make sense. Or right. be completely disappointing, or over the top, or not work. Well, that's what that's what keeps the mystery of it alive, and and keeps it really cool to know, like what's going on with John Ryder. You see him sweating. You know he's human, right? Like, right. I mean, he he has all the basic stuffs of, of a of a normal person. The nerves are there when he's in this car. Part of me wonders if that's what he wants to do, or if he's just being. There's just something in his brain that's telling him to, and that's why he's telling him, like, you have to stop me. Like, it could just be a hardcore split personality. I mean, we don't know. And that's actually, now that I'm thinking about that, that could actually be it. I mean, I'm just spitballing off of this now. But that's what makes this character fascinating. Exactly. And Howard's performance as John Ryder is just... It's so good. It's so, it's so hard. good. It's he's absolutely haunting. horrifying, because he, I believe him. Yeah, no, it, it, and again, like I, I think I've said this before in the Halloween episode, but I take it back and I apply it to this movie now. Like, this is if Jaws were a person. <laughs> like, this is if, like, this is that unstoppable force uh, that yeah. can, like, that can seemingly take anything down and terrorizes everyone, but still needs to be addressed. And, like, you can't escape it until you face it type of thing yeah uh and it, it's it's wonderful like i can't like there's it, like there's really not too much to say because it's again so simple and so effective um and not overly long as well thank god but like it's at a lean like sub hour and a half uh mm. like, it, it, like uh, it's an hour it's about hour 37 yeah it's it's a short it's a short film the remake's even shorter um and by the way like the remake has Sophia Bush as as the lead now, and it's she's not Nash, she's not a Halsey, but the person she's with in it is Jim Halsey, the guy, and I didn't realize that he was the represent he was actual like Jim Halsey until I was looking up more about this, and I'm like, oh, oh, because I saw the remake, I wasn't really happy with it. Sean Bean, great actor. Should be perfect for that type of role, right? They tried too hard to explain it, man. I'm pretty sure they tried to explain it. I'm. I don't know if this. I. I don't know if I'm remembering correctly, but spoiler alert, guys. I'm pretty sure he was like dying of cancer or something in that, and that's why he was going through and doing this. But to me, that's kind of like cool. You've given him more of a backstory now that's not as ambiguous maybe i'm wrong but i i think that is what it was i mean that seems Um, on brand for the type of like those mid to late aughts type of grittier reboot things where like you know again saw was coming out like those big like uh everything had to have a backstory they tried to give like freddy they tried to give freddy krueger uh they tried to make it a mystery of did he do this or didn't he for the remake and i'm like guys we all know he he did did. they made (laughs) so many sequels like He's, he's, yes, he is a child murderer and a child molester. He is a terrible human being, but they're trying to be like, did he or was he framed? And I'm like, no, <laughs> who would frame him? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bad call. Um, but like, it was, it, yeah, and again, terrible, like, terrible it's, it seems like the, like the sin of the Hitcher remake wasn't as, you know, egregious. No, as no, that it's one. not it's as glaring, more just like but you it's, it's the way point. more forgetful. Yeah. Yeah. Like you missed the point of this. Like, yeah. 
Um, but but again, it's the it's the effectiveness. It's knowing exactly what to show and what not to show. It's uh, it's very it's a very intricate balance that this uh, movie tightrope walks and i'm very impressed at how well it does and uh it's a it's a it's a great goddamn movie that's all we that's all that i can really say more i mean it's fantastic you know it's written by eric red he did a lot of he wrote near dark so you know that the writing is going to be good um he's kind of like a more he's kind of like the horror version of shane black you know and a little more brutal with his stuff um like he did body parts with Jeff Fahey, uh, Bad Moon, which got, I started watching Bad Moon again recently, which was 96 werewolf film. Um, I think he directed it too. And a lot of people talk shit about that movie. It's actually not that bad if you revisit it. A lot of good practical effects in that. Interesting. And a lot of good ones in this one too. Again, I, like, I, yeah. can't, I can't not help, but like the finger fry was like Dude, the genius. finger fry, like I, some of that I wonder how he was able to do it, but at the same time, I don't care because it's such... It's such a perfectly executed thing. It's it's it, the it, stuff in this film is just so well done. Yeah, especially with that, he's like Fry, Fry. He's had the hell of a day. Yeah. We think there's a reprieve. See, the thing is, every time you think there's a reprieve for him, and he's he's escaped, he hasn't escaped. Like in the first six minutes, you think he's escaped. Okay, the movie's over. Like, like that would that would have been going. a short movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but instead, you get the uh, family coming up and the kids popping up in the back. Um, with their little toys and everything, and he's waving at them, and all of a sudden, John Ryder just appears in the back with the kids, and right. he's oh, mm-hmm. it's it's, and it's, it's, it's borderline cool. Hitchcockian. Yeah. It's it's such a well, it, you know, dude. It's so it's so like they really, it's very Hitchcockian. It's very cat and mouse. It's very. I know a lot of people. Well, a lot of reviewers were mad because of films like Duel, which was Spielberg's road film from like the early seventies. Exactly. And they were like, this is just a, a more brutal, mean-spirited version. And it's like, sure, but it's a it's a thriller and it's about a serial killer psychopath guy or personification of evil and having to stop him. Having to actually grow as a person to be able to cause that to... Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I think this is a fantastic movie. Unfortunately, they made a sequel in 2003, still with C. Thomas Howell, but the hitcher is now Jake Busey. Oh, well, okay. Well, we don't need to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah, the less talked about, the better, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a, that's a solid recommend from both of us. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to keep uh, the next film that we are going to be doing for this week a little bit under wraps. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, we are a week late. Oh, hold on. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, we are a week late for this one. We have both had some crazy schedules and uh, have been quite busy. So we appreciate the patience so for, coming, yeah. for coming out with us uh, for our bye week. Um, we will be having something next week, but uh, we're still in the planning works for that. Um, but until then, uh, where can we be found on the Internet, Rob? Oh, you can find us at ohtheharrorcast.com. Um, you can find our podcast anywhere that you download podcasts. Anywhere that you get your podcasts. <laughs> you can also find us um, on you know, Instagram and Facebook at, at ohtheharrorcast. Uh, yeah. So check that. Download our stuff. Out. Thank you guys again so much. We will hopefully be seeing you next week. And until next time, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll see you next time. Look at me, Damien.
come. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.